Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love. In this episode of Helpline with Mothercraftness, Chris Minogue. Chris joins us every week to help you with whatever challenge you might be facing with your little one, whether it's sleeping or behaviour, we're talking babies, toddlers, siblings, all the questions. She is your trusted one-stop shop. Can I say that, Chris? You can do. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you have any questions, the idea is um, we are broadcasting a number of ways. So firstly, we do a Facebook Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can pop your question below the video on Facebook Live. We also then podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast, we do that on Wednesday. So if you'd like to ask us a question, the other way is to email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Chris, how are you going? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. We were just speaking before we came on about your little crafty nooks in your home. I'm very jealous. <laughs> I, I do. I just move from one craft to the next, depending on what I feel like. I love it because if that was my house, it would just be a complete mess. Uh, no, it's all neat and tidy. It's not. It's definitely not messy. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it! You're making me jealous. All right. Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to our first question today, which is an email from Lucia. She says we were hoping to get some parenting advice about our 18 and a half month old. Recently, she has been refusing her daytime nap. She wakes at around 6 a.m eats breakfast at 7, lunch around 11.30, then nappy change into her sleep suit, has a 200ml cow milk bottle with me in her darkened, heated room with her white noise machine, and I tell her it's time for a sleep and put her in her cot with her comfort giraffe toy. She typically wants me to stay in the room, so I'd lay on the floor quietly facing away from her, and she would settle herself to sleep within around 10 minutes. She would sleep for around two to two and a half hours and would go to bed for the night around 7, 7.30 with the same routine plus bath and books easily and sleep through the night. For the past week, when I put her into her cot for her daytime nap, she would chat to herself, play with her toy, take off her sleep suit and do everything but sleep. I get to the point where I'm fed up being in the room, so I'll tell her calmly to lay down and go to sleep and leave the room, hoping she will settle off to sleep soon. I try as hard as possible not to make this sound like a punishment, keeping my voice neutral. She doesn't cry, but will continue playing and chatting and often will totally remove all her clothes and nappy. At this point, we're forced to come back to redress her and turn up the heat in case it happens again. She can do this for over an hour and will not go to sleep, eventually getting frustrated and crying. She is then so tired for the rest of the day and goes to sleep at 6pm and sleeps through the night for more than 12 hours. Please help. Ultimately, we would would love to be able to leave the room after her books, bottle and good nights and let her settle herself. But right now, getting her to sleep at all during the day would be amazing. She's a very active, happy toddler. This last month, she has had a huge developmental leap in her language and is loving talking and engaging all day. She's been coping well in isolation, loving being with us, her mums, all day, every day. We both work full time, work from home full time and share caring for her throughout the day. Previously, she was at daycare three days a week, which she also loved. Thanks again for your golden advice. Happy to help. I think this one is a timing problem. Well, there's actually two things. There's the timing problem and there's the staying in the room because at her age she is engaging and she does want to practice talking to someone. 
And if you're in the room with her, she's more than happy to do that. So she's very busy. She's stripping her clothes off and having a great old time because she actually hasn't had the sort of cue or the signal to say now it's bedtime. And especially if your tone is the same for everything you say to her. So how does she know that you're asking her for something else? And I certainly don't mean shouting or something, but just a different tone. It says, it's nighttime now, put your head down. So we're going to use all this to try and rectify the sleeping problem. And at 18 months, she does need to sleep in the day. So normally we would put her down at 12.30, so this might help. So she would have used up a bit more energy. So moving her lunch out to 12, having to go down at 12.30 and sleeping till about 2. Um, she needs to be awake for five to five and a half hours from that point. So that puts her in bed between 7 and 7.30. Um, but I think the other underlying thing is that you're staying in the room and so she can see you, so why would I go to sleep? Especially if I can use more words now and I need to talk to you. So you're saying that she's getting out of her jumpsuit or her clothing and a nappy. Um, I'm wondering why she hasn't got a sleeping bag on that might restrict her from doing that. And there are a point where the clever little ones can undo a sleeping bag. Mm, I'm just trying to check because I thought she might have said she was in a, oh, she says she's in a sleep suit. That's right. So not a sleeping bag. So it has a zip right down the front of it. So I would put her in a sleeping bag and I would turn it around so the zip is down the back <laughs> so that they can't unzip it. But that's just because she's, she's not going to sleep. So she's sitting there busy practicing zipping up and down and taking clothing off. So the other thing I would do is when I dress her, I'd put a little bodysuit on because she can't undo the bodysuit to get a nappy off because that's a disaster waiting to happen. So we've got to dress her and be conscious about the way we're dressing her. we probably put her in a sleeping bag, not a sleep suit, because I think that's leading to the unzipping of things. And the second thing is I would move her lunch out and put her down a little bit later. And then I would use you as the reward. So I would put her into a bed and lay her down. And I would say, it's time for sleep now. We'll see you after you sleep or we'll go to the park or whatever we might be doing. And then I would leave. And then when she has a cry, not for very long, go back in, say, put your head down and wait for her to put her head down. And then when she puts her head down, go over, give her a quick pat to tell her time for sleep and then leave and then slowly wean her off her need for you to be in the room because as she gets older, you'll be in that room for longer and longer and longer. So let's see if we can move the timing of the sleep and change a bit of the behaviour around the sleep to see if we can get her to settle a little bit more independently. Now, if you put her in and she talks for half an hour of that time frame, then that's okay. She can talk for half an hour then drop off to sleep and sleep for an hour or an hour and a half and then get back up again. You just need to adjust the time that you put it down at night. So hopefully these little tips will help turn the whole pattern back around again. Good luck with that, Lucia. This email, this is actually a question from Carly on Facebook. Hi, Carly. She says, my daughter is six months old and fully breastfed. How can I get her to fall asleep in her own room without me having to feed her? Oh, well, that's, uh, okay, that's a biggie. Okay, so 
The easy short answer is that we just stop doing it, but that's not quite how children run. So yeah, I think the first thing you've got to do is um, maybe stop feeding her in her room except for the evening feed. So maybe feed her in the lounge room and then take her to her room, put her into a sleeping bag, give her a cuddle and kiss and start to put her down. So she disassociates those two events happening together as in the feed. So the most common one where they would feed in their room and then go to sleep quite quickly from it is the evening one. So they tend to feed. But even at that one, I would feed her, then sit her up, wind her, put her in a sleeping bag and put her down. It's just that it's much quicker when we do that. So we've got to break the association with the feeding and the act of going to sleep. And this is going to take a little bit of time and I would just go back to the absolute basics of settling a baby where we pop her down, try and pat or rock her. If she gets herself too worked up, pick her up, give her a cuddle, calm her down and put her back down again. Now, this is going to take a few attempts to do this. So the first thing I would do over a few days is to pull the feed and the sleep apart. Even if you have to feed her, then change her, put her in a sleeping bag and then cuddle her to sleep and then put her down. And then once you've got to that stage, then introduce a bit of the self-settling by putting her down, hands on rock pat and leaving and coming backwards and forwards. But I would say this is going to take you a couple of weeks to do. But if you stay on track and have an idea of what you're doing, you should see the progress keep happening. All right. This email comes from Fiona. My little one is now two and a half. Time is flying by and he has outgrown his cot. So looking to transition to a big bed. We have decided to go with a king single. And my question is, what are your thoughts on a bed rail? One side of his bed will be against a wall. To keep him rolling out, are there any ones you would recommend? Any advice would be great. Just to add, he is a great sleep, sleeper, nap from 12.30 till 2, 2.30, and then bedtime between 7.30 and 8, and sleeps through the night, waking between 6 to 6.30 a.m. I'm hoping the transitions won't have too much effect on his sleep. Okay, so this is a really good question because I think a lot of people wonder about what age to transition them through to a big bed. And two and a half is about right. So I think she's got the right timing. Um, what I would be considering is the fact that also he's going into a big bed and he's got to warm that big bed up. I would put him in a king single, so I think that's a really good thing. It's much more room and the likelihood of him rolling out is much slimmer because it's like one and a half of a single bed. So I think that's, that's a really good option. And when you make these transitions from the cot to the bed, once the bed's in place, we don't play games with it. So once you're out of the cot, you're out of the cot. So let's say on Saturday, the big bed's arriving, we've got all the linen, we've got him involved with buying some of the linen. And then the bed arrives, we put it up and the cot goes down or it moves to another room if they need it. So that, that, he's fully aware that that's the transition we're making. Now, at that point, we just put him to bed as if he was in the cot. So don't um, think that things may happen because if you just put him to bed, so there's no sleeping bag at this, at this point because if he rolls out of bed, he needs his feet to be able to land. 
Um, so sleeping bags are gone. All the ba baby things have, have sort of left the building or left the room. And we're going to pop him into a big bed. So think of his pyjamas. Think of the warmth that he'll need um, to, to warm up that bed. Now, in a king single, most children don't roll out of it. So they actually, you know, stay on the bed because it is a bigger bed. So maybe for a couple of nights, what you could do is take the cot mattress and put it underneath the bed. And when you go to bed, just pull it out a little bit so that if he did roll, he'd just fall onto the cot mattress. So I have never really used a bed rail. I've more transitioned them when I felt that they're ready for it as opposed to, I need a bed, so I'm going to put you into a, to, um, a big bed. I need the cot, so I need to put you in a big bed. So I don't get a lot of rolling out of bed, but using that mattress for a couple of nights will probably just give everybody a sense of he'll be okay if he did roll out. And the king single really helps because it's that much wider that they don't tend to roll out of it anyway. So good luck with it. Um, think of his warmth, and I think you'll do really well. Nice. It's funny, isn't it? Any, any change you make, it's like, please don't upset their sleeping. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> totally feel that. <laughs> this next uh, question comes from Emma on an email. She said, I was hoping Chris could provide some advice on transitioning my nearly three-year-old, he'll be three in July, to a toddler bed. I'm actually wanting to know if there are any developmental or emotional downsides to keeping him in a cot longer than is typical. He has, oh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this. He has a large, it's O-E-U-F. Does that ring any bells for you? O-E-U-F. Can you give me the whole, com the whole line? So that's the name of the cot. <clears throat> oh, oh, right. Oh, I know what you mean. Oh, okay. So there's still plenty of space for him in it. He's on the shorter side, sleeps in a sleeping bag, doesn't show any signs of wanting to climb out and sleeps incredibly well. 11 to 12 hours overnight and one to two hour daytime nap. So I'm loath to make any changes just because most parents have typically transitioned to a bed by now. We have the attachments to convert his current cot to a toddler bed. So my plan was to do this around three and a half to four years of age. Are there any downsides to waiting this long? We have a new baby arriving in August, so I'm also conscious of not making any big changes to coincide with this, this new arrival. We already have another cot for baby number two, so we don't have the incentive of needing to use my older son, son's cot for the baby, which I know is a reason many par parents transition older children into a big bed. That's from Emma. Emma, I, I think, you know, if he fits comfortably in the bed and he's warm and he's sleeping well and he's not trying to throw himself over the side of it. I don't see why we have to get him out because of a certain age to do that. So it's more that I think what will happen is that he'll be comfortable this winter in there because it'll keep him nice and warm and cosy. But as the weather warms, I think he'll start getting hot and that's what might move you into actually not the toddler bed, but a bed because by the time he's three or four, he's or closer to four, he's not going to fit a toddler bed. He'll probably go from his cot into a single bed. And like the previous um, question that we had, that's the way in which you would trans transition him across to it. But so I think by the time you get through winter and he's nearly, what, three and a half by then, um, he'll be too big for the physical cot. 
and therefore what you'll do is just transition him through to a bed in the summer. So if you can get away with it and he's comfortable and sleeping well, I don't see why you would get him out of it. Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. Leave it. He sounds like he's a great sleeper. Leave him there, but I would, I would, the only caveat on that, Emily, is that I would probably say that I wouldn't make a big change for him six weeks before that baby's due and six weeks after that baby's due. So if we leave him in the cot over winter, we're probably leaving him in the cot till September. Okay. And then he can just go into a big boy's bed, a proper big boy's bed. Excellent. This next question comes from Carly. She says, hi, Chris. My son has just turned four in March and he still sucks his thumb a lot. He does it when he's bored, tired, or just any time his hands aren't busy with an activity and, of course, to get to sleep. He even talks around the thumb in his mouth. Each time I tell him, I can't understand you, take out your thumb and try again, which he's happy to do. But he does it again the next time anyway. I know it's fairly normal and that he'll grow out of it eventually, but it's the frequency that bothers me the most. Is there anything I can do to help him break the habit of constantly having his thumb in his mouth? Well, you're right, Carly, in that with age maturity, they suck their thumb less and less. And I think the only thing that you can do is distract him out of the idea. So when you see him sucking his thumb and you go over and say, don't suck your thumb, it's like a red rag to the bull. They just stick it back in again. So I think in this case, if he's sucking his thumb and you think it's inappropriate, so he's not going to bed or he's not sick or something like that, I would distract him by doing something with his hands. So asking him to help you do something unload the dishwasher, load the Tupperware cupboard up again, um, build a tower so that he actually just stops using the thumbs as comfort over the day. And it's more that it moves into bedtime and tiredness. You could try explaining that to them. We only suck our thumb when we're getting ready for bed or when we're tired. But it's such an innate comforting thing to do for those who do it I think even that can be hard for them. So I tend to to say to clients, just distract him. When he's just sitting watching television and sucking his thumb, ask him to build you something with the Lego and that will stop the act and he'll do it less and less and less. And I think you'll find over time he'll just stop doing it. The next question is from Therese. She says, my son is two next month and wears glasses. Up until recently, he's been great with wearing them and letting me brush his teeth, but he's gone totally backwards with both. He snapped one pair of glasses beyond repair and refuses to wear the spares. I've tried wearing mine, giving him kisses and praise when I put them on him. I've played the Wiggles songs and he still keeps pulling them off. He's too big for the glasses strap. With, with brushing his teeth, his two bottom molars are coming through, so that may be playing a part. I've tried encouraging him, encouraging him to do it himself, the Wiggles app, and role modelling. I'm worried his eye issues are going to get worse and he'll develop issues with his teeth. Is there anything else I can do? I think they're two really difficult things because they get better with maturity and understanding and, and they're you know, two things that if I'm a bit tired and I don't want to follow and it's too hard, I'm just going to play at these, you know, big behaviours, so to speak. The thing about the glasses, if you're having really trouble with it, is I take him back to his opto, uh, his paediatric ophthalmologist and get them to do a little bit of work with him because often they'll um, respond better to somebody else telling them 
about the glasses, there should be a glasses strap that will work for him. So just ask him what other straps they have to do it. Otherwise, they might do some patching to help his eyesight, depending on the eyesight. So it is something that they have to get used to. And I think what they would suggest is that he has them on for shorter periods of time, but keeps them on longer over time. So I'd refer back to who you saw when they gave him the glasses and find out a few more tricks from there because I think this is a maturity thing. As he gets older, he become less aware of the glasses and he won't touch them and his eyesight will be okay. The teeth cleaning one is a difficult one. So the, usually the way I do it is stand them up to the mirror um, so they can see themselves and I'm standing behind them and we're playing a game about cleaning our teeth, how wide can you open your mouth, all of those sorts of things. But I don't think the teething has anything to do with the glasses. I think they're two different behaviours. So I tackle the glasses one first because that's obviously going to correct his sight. Give him a little break from the teeth cleaning, not as in we're stopping it but not forcing it as much, just giving the experience and then work on the teeth cleaning second. This question comes from Michelle on Facebook. She says, my eight-week-old will not let us put her down, ever. Not awake, not asleep. She gets so (laughs) upset to the point of red in the face and crying so bad, it's like she's forgotten to breathe. What can I do to help her? Okay, so this... Sound was a little bit off there, but I think this is about an eight-week-old that's crying an awful lot and they can't put her down. Yep. So that little eight-week-old, the first thing I would do is go back and create a little checklist and see what might be underlying causing this long lengths of crying. So the first thing is to check her feeding, maybe check her weight and see that it's appropriate over that eight weeks. Um, the easiest check with the feeding is once she's fed, does she actually, is she calm and relaxed after the feed? So that will give us an indicator that she is feeding really well. So if she's feeding well, she's calm and relaxed after the feed, then the feeding's probably good. And then it's about the sleep. So um, uh, with the sleep part of it, so for an eight-week-old, they're probably awake uh, the best, definitely an hour, if not closer to an hour and a half. So watching for those tired signs, yawning, um, whinging, jerking movements. And then once you see those movements, wrapping her up, cuddling her and trying to keep her much calmer, if not sleepy, before putting her down. And once you put her down, put your hand on her and do some body rocking so she feels like you're still there. Okay, so... I think the trick with a baby who's crying a lot is to work out, is that related to the feed or the sleep? So have that feeding assessed again. My, you know, is she putting on enough weight? Is she fe- feeding frequently and long enough for you? Uh, or is she taking the right amount if it's a bottle feed? And then is she calm and relaxed, which would indicate that the feed is okay? And then from there, watching tide signs and and wrapping her up and making her feel very cosy and then rocking her to cosy before you put her down might just alleviate and decrease some of the crying that's going on for her. Okay, so our next question comes from Katie, who says, my two-year-old is getting increasingly hard to feed. He ate everything as a baby and has got progressively worse. 
I know this is not unusual for toddlers, but right now he will eat pretty much only the packet stuff like yogurt and custard, and no cooked meals with the exception of some finger foods like boiled egg, fruit and peanut butter toast. When he gets hungry, he heads straight to the fridge or the cupboard demanding the packets and has a tantrum if I serve him a meal. Is this just a phase or are we enforcing some really bad habits? I'm in the any food is better than food camp, better than no food camp, hence why I buy the snacks and assume when he understands more, we can implement more, more rules around meals or am I digging us into a deeper hole? I think she's answered her own question, hasn't she? <laughs> yes, I think you're digging yourself into a very large hole. So remember, he's looking for you for direction on this and he will only be able to eat what you offer him. Your job as the parent is to get the food to him. His job as a child is to eat what he's ready to eat. So if he knows those packet foods are in that cupboard, he's just going to go for them. So what I personally would do is get rid of all the packet things, yogurt and custard. They're not, they don't have to be part of a diet, especially they're more like a treat or an occasional food. They're not an everyday food and actually start. And I know this is difficult. We're all busy, but start sitting down and eating with him and that he sees similar foods. With each meal, put down something that you know he'll eat. So for breakfast, you might be trying him on, uh, what is he, two? So you might be trying him on a cereal, but make sure there's some peanut butter toast there. So presenting these meals, and this won't be easy because the tantrum will increase because he's not getting what he wants. So you need some calmness. This is going to take a little bit of time. And most two-year-olds will do this as any person with a, who's had a two-year-old in their house will do this. They'll push the boundaries. But what you're doing is just saying, well, this is appropriate food for your age. This is what we'd like you to eat. It's part of our diet. And, and actually sitting with him and engaging him in that meal. And he will open up all of um, those receptors to say, okay, this is food and this is what I need to eat. So taking away the snacks and taking away the yogurts and the custards is definitely going to open up when he's hungry to what you might put down for him. The other thing to remember is if he goes to daycare, if he eats chili con carne in daycare, he can eat it at home. It's just uh, he sees more people eating it at daycare than he sees them eating at home. So that whole thing about sitting down and eating with your children does really help them when you're trying to negotiate new foods. Oh, such a tough one. Uh, we've got time for one last question. This is from Monica on Facebook. She says, hi, my 16-month-old son has started hitting my face when he gets frustrated. How can I help him stop this behavior? So annoying, isn't it, Monica? <laughs> so, Monica, the first thing you have to know is you know that's the behavior he's going to do. When he's frustrated, you know he's going to hit you if you pick him up. So if you have to pick him up and move him to a safe space because he's having a tantrum, go from behind and pick him up from behind. But if he does hit you for some reason, he swipes and boy can they hit hard when they're, when they're having a tantrum, is you've got to put him down. So you've got, to sh you've got to show him that that behaviour is not acceptable. So just putting him down saying we do not hit is the start of him realising what behaviours are acceptable and what aren't. 
So I think in this way that most children go through a stage where they're hitters, kickers, biters at some point. And when they're frustrated and not getting what they want, they're out of control. So remember that at the moment he's hitting. So go from behind and pick him up and move him. Um, otherwise, if he manages to hit you, just putting him down and saying no hitting and give him a few minutes before you go back to him should help him stop that behaviour. All right. Well, um, thank you for answering that and I hope that helped everyone. Thank you everyone for your questions. If you would like to have a one-on-one with Chris and you didn't get a chance to ask your question today, don't forget Babyology has Sleep School where you can book in to have a private session with Chris Minogue or another of our experts, Joe Ryan or Karina Lane. Uh, however, if you'd like to come back and meet us again next next, next Monday at 11.30am Eastern Standard Time, we are live on Facebook or you can send your question to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Chris, I will see you next week. Have a lovely week. Absolutely. Take care. See you later and thank you everyone for all your questions. Pleasure. Bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.